Hey everybody, before we get started, a quick note on last week's show. We got some of our details wrong about hormones and antibiotics in milk, and we want to make sure we get you the most accurate information we can. We know that it's hard enough to get good information about fitness and nutrition without us confusing things, so we're really sorry. Um, That being said, we don't record these things from a script, and sometimes we just get the details wrong. So we're fixing it. Uh, Here is the info. All right, so with antibiotics... It's illegal for dairy farmers to give antibiotics to cows that they're milking because the antibiotics right away show up in the milk. So milk shipments are tested for the most widely used and approved antibiotics and any milk that tests positive is rejected. So when cows have to be treated with antibiotics because they're sick, dairy cows that is, um, farmers discard their milk for several days until the residues from the antibiotics disappear. So that means that any milk you buy in the store should be be antibiotic free whether or not it's organic. Now, that being said, the FDA has reported instances where dairies were using antibiotics that were not approved for dairy cows, and so in a very small percentage of cases, milk that had traces of those antibiotics was slipping through the cracks because the FDA wasn't testing for those drugs because they weren't approved for use in dairy cows. So, like with so many food issues, we can't know for sure that our milk is 100% antibiotic-free unless we raise the cows ourselves, Um, but it does seem like the risk is pretty low. Um, In that study that the FDA did about the antibiotics that slipped through the cracks, it was like, you know, uh, less than 1% uh, of cases. So that's that. However, antibiotic use in factory farming is totally an issue, Uh, And that's part of what makes this so confusing. It's just not an issue because of it ending up in milk. So if you're interested in learning more about the consequences of using antibiotics on farm animals, uh, I recommend reading the book Big Chicken by Maren McKenna. Uh, Big Chicken by Maren McKenna. Um, She really goes into it. It's super interesting and terrifying. Okay, so on to hormones. About 20% of dairy cows in the U.S. are treated with growth hormones that basically make them produce more milk. The FDA says those hormones are totally safe. Um, Part of where the confusion comes in is that Canada and Europe have banned them. But that's not because of anything where there's scientific proof. They did it because there are concerns about possible dangers. So there are concerns that those hormones hurt human health sort of in secondary ways, um, one of which is... They may cause more udder infections in dairy cows, which leads to antibiotic use, which can lead to more antibiotic resistance. Or um, there's also a concern that they increase the level of a certain protein, which um, increases uh, cell growth. So there is a concern that that protein might increase the risk of cancer. Um, So Canada and Europe have gone with the better safe than sorry, don't use it method. Whereas the U.S. has gone with the there's no proof that this is a problem, so keep on using it method. Um, Either way, most milk in the U.S. doesn't come from hormone-treated cows anyway, so it's probably not a big issue for you. Um, Also, a lot of milk has started labeling itself as not using those hormones, um, so it's easy to tell. So this is super confusing. In terms of the science on this stuff, we do the best we can, but neither of us is a scientist uh, and we're definitely normal people. Um, So we make mistakes, but we should have gotten it right the first time and we're sorry if we led you astray. Hopefully it's cleared up now. Thanks to listener Gabby who helped point us in the right direction. She is a scientist, which is helpful. Okay, so now on to this week's show. (laughs) 
Welcome to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shawflam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I am Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. Before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Uh, If you don't already like us on Facebook, you should. Um, We post once a day during the week, and it's always about whatever we're talking about on that week's episode. So if we're talking about, um, you know things to eat in the winter. We're posting recipes and uh, quotes from the show and information. So it's a great way to sort of have us integrate your your whole life. (laughs) Just kidding. Just your online life. But anyway, you should like our Facebook page. It's also a great way to contact us with questions or comments or whatever. Um, It's facebook.com slash just one more podcast. So come hang out with us on the internet. when I sent Daphne the subject for this podcast, she was very excited. I was, um, for various reasons. Um, <laughs> you know, one being, I think this is a very important topic. Uh, and the second being, this is going to be a really fun one. <laughs> Today's topic is your butt. <laughs> I was like trying to figure out what to call the episode. And I was like, I don't want to just call it butts. I don't like the butt. Yeah. I was like, no. Your butt. Your butt, specifically. And the you is you, fair listener. (laughs) And the reason that I wanted to talk about butts is that we are obsessed with them in our society. Um, Kids like talking about them because they have to do with going to the bathroom. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. That's why butts are funny. Adults are always panicking about having butts that are either too big or too small. It's like no no one seems to feel they have the correct size of butt. Yeah. there are, like, songs about them. People are getting plastic <laughs> surgery to adjust their butts. Um, but, huh, but, at the end of the day, it's a muscle, right? At the end of the day, it's a muscle. And, and so... I love talking about butts because strong butts make for just an overall better quality of life, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but all those other things, too, like, you know, butts being funny and that's us wanting, you know... Better butts and perkier butts and butt implants. And speaking that's of which, all very comical to me. So. Speaking of which, I know you're a Minions fan. Is it I weird am. to you that they have butts? <laughs> I've always found that a little weird that like the only recognizable anatomical feature they have is butts. I know. Isn't that funny? And they do that because it makes kids laugh. Totally. It makes kids laugh so hard. All the scenes in all the Minions movies because I've seen every single... <laughs> Despicable Me and every single Minions movie multiple, multiple times. All the scenes in which they're, like, at the beach and you see, like, a little bit of, like, the cheek of one or, like, the butt crack of one. It's, like, kind of shocking at first, but it makes kids go, like, berserk and it makes me chuckle out loud to myself. (laughs) But does it make me uncomfortable? No, it does not. I know it makes you a little uncomfortable. (laughs) I'm a little weird about Minion butts. I have to say I do like the Minions in general. I think that they're very funny. Um, and, uh, when I was sick one time, uh, I made Matt watch the Minions movie with me because it was on Netflix and I was the one who was sick and like 30 minutes into it, I turned around and Matt was full on asleep. It's the only time I've seen him fall asleep during a movie except for Annie Hall. So (laughs) Annie Hall and the Minions movie are the movies Matt can't stay awake through. But the point is... I don't know how that makes me feel. I mean, 
I feel I like you should give it a second chance. This is what I think. I would like for Matt to give it a second chance. <laughs> we'll Say we'll yes, make him watch it with like... you and me sitting on either side of him, just watching him for reactions. That would be great because <laughs> I do feel like um, I feel like he would really enjoy it. See, that's what I think too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. Listeners, this makes you happy. Go check out the Minions movie. <laughs> <gasps> but back to butts. Back to butts. So let's do some defining of yes. the butt. So what okay. is what muscle or muscles? Because I realize I don't actually know the answer to which one it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, make up what we think of as the butt. Okay. So the butts. I often re- refer to the butt as the glutes. That's something that um, I talk a lot about. And when I'm cueing personal training clients and when I'm cueing students in in class, like when I'm cueing students uh, at Hit It, I'll always say something along the lines of squeeze your glutes, activate your glutes, sit back into your glutes. Um, I think that's just a more scientific way of addressing it versus, say, I don't know, booty or tush which I think is very feminine and cute, and I just sometimes like to be scientific, so I think glutes is a little bit better. In terms of what I am talking about when I am referring to the butt, (laughs) um, I am talking about all the glutes. So from a scientific standpoint, um, the, the butt is referred to as the gluteals, and we actually have three different types of glutes. I know we have three different glute muscles, so three different butt muscles. So we have our gluteus maximus, which I think is the term that people refer to the most. Because it's funny. Because it's funny. And we have our glute medius. And then we have um, uh, the last part of the glute, which is the glute minimus. And then anatomically, we also have the piriformis, and I'm just going to give everyone like a rough visual, so everyone get into my brain right now, and then I'm sure <laughs> in the show notes we will, um, in, in the show notes we will, uh, we can link to some type of di- a, a diagram or some anatomical um, photo that gives you guys a better idea of it. So. All right, the glute muscles. These all form the the mass of the the butt, and they all have a purpose, and they all have a function, and they are all a different size and a different shape. When people are actually talking about the butt, for the most part, we're talking about the glute maximus, and the glute maximus is pretty much the entire, like, top cheek of your butt. If you were to just, like, take your hand right now and just, like, put it on your butt cheek. Doing it? Yeah, everyone just grab your booty. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone, that is your um, that is your glute maximus. So if I'm sort of doing that thing where I'm like standing with my like hands on my like back, back, yeah, and then down a little, and, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like just grab it. Just, I think of this as like cheerleader pose, kind of. Totally, yeah. So think cheerleader pose. Joanna's doing her little cheerleader <laughs> move right now, and then we have the glute medius. So now everyone, put your hands on your hips, and then kind of um, put your hands on your hips and. Kind of feel like the sides of your butt. Mm. That is the glute medius. And then, lastly, we have the glute minimus. And the gluteus minimus is on the inside of everything. And it's right... If you take your hands and you place them kind of at your hips again, but then go inwards a little, and you can kind of feel... Maybe it's like where your lower back meets the glutes and um, you'll feel maybe like your tailbone's right in the middle and then go out a little bit 
and that is your glute minimus. And so those are all the muscles that make up the the glutes. Those are all the muscles that make up your butt. It's also a great way to get our listeners to grab their butts exactly. <laughs> wherever they are. Wherever you are, I hope you just had a good time grabbing your butt in public or in mm-hmm. private. Yeah. And if it's not in private, that's okay. We don't... <laughs> it's just a muscle. We do not judge. And then the piriformis is if you were to place your hands um, on your... Everyone, if you like take two fingers and if you kind of like put your hands on your on your sacral, on your tailbone, your kind of like sacral area. And then you just like, so you're a little lower than the glute um, medius and the glute minimus. Then you just kind of go out to your side. That's your piriformis. And the piriformis is the muscle that pretty much attaches your lower back to your, to your glutes. So that's a very important muscle to, um, I always say to foam roll, stretch, strengthen, all that jazz. So there's a lot of uh, different parts that go into making up what we think of as our butt. Mm-hmm. Um, what significance does the butt have in terms of like in society? No, yeah. Please give me a five paragraph essay about baby got back. Uh, no, I was going to say in terms of like how your body works. Like yeah. I know that you have told me before that your glutes are. Like a really significant muscle in your body. So what's, where does it, what's its role? So I would say the glutes are uh, one of the most important muscle groups in the body. The glutes consist of the largest and one of the most powerful groups of muscles in the human body. So the glute max, the glute med, and the glute minimus, they are so critical in all of our body's uh, functional movements when I say that, I don't mean like bowel movements, <laughs> although kind might of. be important yeah, there yeah. too. Yeah. Well, that's another topic for us. Um, but in terms of our our bodily movement, uh, in terms of uh, our pain reduction, and in terms of functioning optimally from a muscular standpoint, and from an athletic standpoint, and from a balance standpoint, and then from a pain prevention standpoint. So strong gluteals are pretty much essential for getting through day-to-day life. Um, If you are a human and you walk and you sit and you do things in life, you need strong glutes. So I think sometimes there's this preconception that, uh, oh, glutes are only for, it's, it's, it's athletes. Like, oh, you have to be a runner. Like runners are always talking about, yeah, like we need to strengthen our glutes and running coaches. No, this is for everyone. This is for everyone, regardless of aesthetics and regardless of what you do in day-to-day life. That's one of those things where if you focus on strengthening your glutes, your overall pain levels will be lower and your overall balance in terms and when I mean balance, I mean muscular balance, not like balancing on one leg, but balance in the sense that all of your muscles are strong and you're not like tight in one area and weak and loose in one area, but you're just overall very balanced in your body. Um, that's how we up those levels of balance by having a strong, a strong booty. Um, can you give us any specifics about like what, um, how our glutes affect like pain levels and stuff mm-hmm. or like yeah. functionality? This is like a topic I am very, very passionate about. So having a weak butt leads to a plethora of pain issues. Having a weak butt 
and having oftentimes a weak butt happens when we sit all the time and we don't activate our glute muscles just in day-to-day -day life. So if you're seated all the time, if you think about it right now, Joanna, you and I are seated. So right now our butt's not engaged at all. Our core might be engaged. <laughs> Your butt's yeah. not engaged. <laughs> Mine is. Just kidding. Oh, very good. I know we can try to engage it right now. It's kind of hard, though. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like how hard it is to engage your butt when you're just sitting? So imagine you have a standard maybe 9 to 5 job in which you are seated in this position every single day. So, of course, it's going to get weak and overstretched. It's not being used at all. So when the glutes are essentially weak and overstretched, that is actually one of the key contributing factors to lower back pain. Ah. lower back pain because now say so imagine um, I'm seated right now and I stand up and I have a weak butt so say my pelvis is actually kind of tilted forward a little bit maybe tucked under a little bit that's putting strain on my lower back that's putting strain and it's still overstretching my glutes it's still overstretching my lower back and it is um, a big cause of pain and then, uh, you know, we can also do a quick little side note. Also, when you're seated this long or when you are seated all the time, um, if you're a runner, you oftentimes will have this as well, but tight hip flexors. So hip flexors are the front of your hip. Like if you're all seated right now, everyone, imagine you're in your car, you're maybe you're working out right now. But um, if you just kind of place your hands on your hips and you take your two pointer fingers and kind of jam them into like the front of your hips and your groin area, where like the tops of your legs meet your hips and it kind of feels like the groin area, almost like the, the pelvic area, that's your hip flexor. When we're seated all the time, that gets really tight. So imagine your hip flexor getting tight, your butt getting weak. Ultimately, that leads to what I call a weak posterior chain. And your posterior chain is your entire backside. So your entire backside is your upper back, middle back, lower back, going into your glutes and hamstrings. When we have a weak posterior chain, we have a harder time moving around in day-to-day -day life. We experience more pain. Um, we experience less stability. So if you do athletic things, if you walk, you might notice things like, oh, your hips are turning out or your, um, uh, your alignment is off, walking, running, doing sports, anything. If you have a weak butt, there's essentially nothing stabilizing your leg joints. Um, and then uh, most importantly, if you have a weak butt, uh, that leads to everything being rotated and tilted forward, which ultimately leads to tightness in the entire front of your body. Um, so the quads, the um, hip flexors, and sometimes even the chest. So uh, it's amazing how strong glutes actually play a big part in posture. I know Joanna and I are both like <laughs> sitting up so straight right now. Anytime I talk about posture when we're recording, I always have to like sit up. So. I know. <laughs> Um, I imagine, too, that um, some of these things you're saying about what happens when you have a weak butt be, like lead to a lot of the problems we see when people get older. Mm -hmm. um, because like just thinking about all the stuff that you need a strong butt to be able to do, things like getting in and out of chairs, mm -hmm. things like, um, you know, walking around comfortably, yeah. all that stuff. Um, even just talking about back pain, like the older people get, the more likely they are to experience back pain. Mm -hmm. And, um, so if you're, um, maybe past the like major sports playing part of your life, this is still a really important, um, muscle to be building so that you can, um, keep doing all the things that you want to do 
just in your regular day-to-day life, mm-hmm. walking, sitting, standing, all so that I stuff. I consider a lot of this, um, a lot of these, I, I consider glute exercises to be functional. Mm-hmm. So functional meaning, uh, functional meaning this, uh, these exercises are designed to enhance your day-to-day life. And a lot of the glute exercises, which I'll talk about, sometimes uh, mo- the majority of these actually mimic day-to-day uh, motions. So if you... Uh, just an example, if you are bending down to pick something up and you just maybe bend forward from your waist, if you have no glute strength to kind of strengthen and kind of tighten up your legs to bend down to pick something up, all that pain or all that um, that range of motion, all that stress is going to go into your lumbar spine Ow. because your your glutes aren't strong enough to kind of bear some of the brunt of the energy. And that's actually where a lot of low back pain comes in. People throw out their backs all the time. And a lot of times if people were strengthening their glutes regularly and doing lower back exercises and core stability exercises, a lot of, um, a lot of those things would not happen. When people say lift with your knees, really what they're saying is lift with your butt, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they're talking about instead of just like bending over from to, your to waist. To do and, a squat. Right, to do a squat instead of a deadlift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of those are about, ideally, are yeah. about activating your glutes and your posterior yes. chain. Ha ha ha. So there's, it's people in the running world, we call it dead butt syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrible. It's just like when you just can't fire your, when you can't fire your glutes. And when you can't fire your glutes, it really leads to just so many, so many risks. Um, a lot of knee pain comes from weak glutes because if you don't have, well, when you have strong glutes, it stabilizes your entire leg, it stabilizes your entire femur. So if you are moving around a lot, um, if you are running and if you are doing athletic movements in your weekly routine, having weak glutes means your pelvis is misaligned and it's going to also mean it, your alignment with your hips and your knees is off as well. So it can lead to knee pain. Um, pretty, pretty, it can pretty, like pretty quickly lead to knee pain. Pretty much if you have weak glutes, you are going to experience pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if we haven't convinced you with all of these threats of pain and stuff, let's go to the positive side, which is that you have before said to me that working out your glutes gives you a lot of bang for your buck in terms of benefits from exercise. Yeah. Um, is that because it's such a big muscle? Yeah. So, um, so moving away from the functional aspect of it, just from a metabolic standpoint, when you train your glutes, when you train your glutes actually maybe at the start of your workout even, uh, because the glutes are some of the largest and most powerful muscle groups in your body, you actually get more metabolic bang for your buck in the sense that when you train the big muscles first, not only does it A, warm you up very quickly, B, it stimulates blood flow throughout your entire body right away. C, when you work the biggest muscles, when you work big muscle groups, we elevate your metabolism as a whole right away. So for someone who is going to, I'm going to give two examples. So I'm going to give you one little strength training circuit, and then I'm going to give you another little strength training circuit. So in one strength training circuit, say I do 15 squats, and then I do 15 push-ups, and then I do 15 bent over dumbbell rows with maybe 15 pound dumbbells. Okay, imagine that. So you have that visual in your head. Now, 
Imagine me giving you two three-pound dumbbells. You're holding two three-pound dumbbells in your head, and you're doing bicep curls for a minute, and then you do, I don't know, like some tricep kickbacks for a minute, and you then do some calf raises, okay? So I can tell just from your tone which (laughs) one of these is better. (laughs) So my question to you is right off the bat, which one is going to burn more calories, which one is going to change your body composition quicker, and which one is going to elevate your metabolism more? I mean, the first one, right? Where we're uh, working our larger muscles and we're lifting heavier weights. Exactly. And that is not to say that I do not see an importance in bicep curls and tricep movements. I do those all the time. Definitely, I, I go heavier than threes. That was just a very, like... Very obvious example. You were trying to make um, it easy for me. Trying to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for you listeners, no. I know everyone is very, very smart. But um, think about, and then if you take a look at these three circuits, yeah, your triceps might be sore tomorrow. Yeah, your calves might be sore tomorrow. Um, do I still think you should do exercises like calf raise and tricep? and bi- Of course, yeah, absolutely. But do I think that that is what someone should do all the time? Uh, no, and this is just going to kind of circling back to the power of training your glutes. If you are able to essentially have a more effective metabolic conditioning workout, and if you are able to elevate your metabolism quicker, and if you are able to calorically, um, use more energy during, during a workout, then definitely train your glutes first. And we have some good, like big exercises. And then we also have some smaller corrective restorative exercises, all of which I will describe. Maybe we can even right have now. You try one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fine. Uh, so yeah. So let's start off with sort of like the big um, bang for your buck glute yeah. exercises. So I, for one, know that when I am consistent with training my glutes, I feel so much better. My butt feels so much better now. <laughs> um, so aesthetics aside, and yeah, you will get some you know, definition by doing, you'll get overall like definition by doing these movements. But one of the, 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 the most important exercises to train your glutes are squats, lunges, and deadlifts. Squats, lunges, and deadlifts are powerhouse movements to essentially activate your glutes instantaneously. There are tons of even runners out there who don't do any type of strength training and they think it will maybe like negatively affect their running. Um, strength training can only help. Strength training can only help for everyone, um, and uh, no one wants weak butt syndrome. So uh, I recommend if you are starting off doing three sets of 15 squats, then doing forward lunges, reverse lunges, and then doing maybe a set of 10 deadlifts and recycling through that, circling through that about three rounds. So another thing too, though, when you are performing these glute exercises, this is my like big thing. We should make a we should make an Instagram post of this. Put your brain in your butt. Like <laughs> let's just like print that out somewhere and like you know like that is what I want everyone to remember. Put your brain in your butt. A lot of times, glute activation starts by your brain telling your glute to just squeeze. Mm-hmm. Because here's another thing: if you are just sitting in the squat. If you are, well, first of all, if your glutes are weak, you probably won't even be able to sit back too deep into your squat. But if you're just sitting in it, sitting in it, sitting in it without really squeezing on the way down or on the way back, you're not getting as much out of it as you can. If you're just lunging and falling into the lunge, 
all you're doing is putting stress on your knee joints. You, you really have to think about the form. And you really have to think about when you perform these exercises, staying lifted and engaging your glutes, squeezing your butt while you are doing the exercises. Don't just squeeze your butt when you do like butt kicks, you know, or when you're doing like bar exercises or like some of the next exercises, I'll talk about these smaller corrective restorative ones. Um, when you're doing your deadlifts, the deadlifts are actually, I find um, you, you your glutes fire instantaneously doing a deadlift. Um, and we can include links to, you know, videos or images of like proper deadlift form, but it is amazing what can happen when you put your brain into your butt. Put your brain in your butt. Put your brain um, in your butt. And that's also a good way to avoid injury because if your butt isn't working when it's supposed to be, something else is picking up the slack yep. and you don't want that something else to be like your back, for instance, mm-hmm. or your knees. Mm-hmm. Um, so putting your brain in your butt is good for like working out your glutes, but it's also good for not working things when they shouldn't be working. Mm-hmm. And these are also functional exercises. So you squat to pick something up from the ground. You deadlift to pick something up from the ground. You squat to go to the bathroom. Um, You know, humans, we were designed to... um, That's how we were meant to poop. (laughs) And in most... And a lot of countries, like, people still do. And they have way healthier colons than we do. Um, So everyone get a Squatty Potty. Side note. (laughs) Not sponsored by Squatty Potty. Yet. Uh, (laughs) Yet. Um, So... uh, are, are you ready to move us on to yeah. uh, the more uh, restorative? Yes, definitely. And what do you mean when you say, like, restorative? Yeah. So these, the, I call these moves corrective restorative exercises because they are not necessarily the big explosive metabolic moves that I love. Um, but these are the, the moves that um, don't necessarily get your heart rate up. And uh, these are the exercises that are a little bit smaller. And the reason why I don't... Um, I don't like diss these exercises because there, I mean, there are so many schools of thought. You have people who are knocking on different workouts because it's like, you know, they're, you're not sweating enough or uh, these exercises I consider to be very, very, very important. It's when people do these exercises just to essentially try to tone, you know, like, or, or, or sculpt or, you know, when people are trying to, I, I, I just stress that when people really want to ch- change their bodies, they have to do these big exercises. But then these small exercises almost view them as ways to create more of a balanced body versus just doing these over and over and over again to get sore because you think you're toning up. That's that's but so that being said, that's my little my little um uh you know, standing on my my apple box and Yeah. Think preaching. we can think of these exercises Part of this delicious breakfast. Exactly. But not the whole breakfast. Exactly. So once again, weak glutes, they can cause hip imbalances, which leads to rotations in your femur and um, makes it so that your knees don't track correctly. Um, So these smaller ones are also great if you potentially do have an injury. So um, like, like with you and your hip issues that have popped up, these are some of the moves that I have... I have had you do to fire up your glutes and to stabilize your glutes. So these ones, although not as like jumpy, most of these are actually mat exercises. So my favorites are, and these are once again, things that we can um, link to. These ones you guys might actually feel more in your butt right away. So the first one is donkey kicks. Um, okay, let's describe a donkey yeah. kick and I'll, so, I'll so do it. So pretend like you're on all fours. <laughs> I don't then... have to pretend. Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So Joanna's on all fours 
And uh, oh, I'm so excited for this exercise. <laughs> so the donkey kick is when you are nice and square and then you kick one leg up into the air, but keep the knee bent. Yeah, like that. Okay, so Joanna's heel is flexed. Her, toe, her feet are flexed and her heel is reaching up to the sky and her leg is bent to a 90 degree angle. And so your leg that's up is your right leg. It's bent to a 90 degree angle. And then you bring the, and so you feel the squeeze in your right butt cheek. Yep. And then you bring the right knee back down and then you just kind of go right back up. And that, my dear, Ooh, is a donkey kick. Feeling it right away. Yeah. How does that feel? Like, do you feel the, the butt kind of activating yeah. instantaneously? It, it's um, it's really localized. Like, yes. Like, you feel it in that glute right away. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So the next one is... I'm just going to stay on the floor. Yeah, yeah, just stay on the floor. <laughs> the next one I love is the bird dog, which is in the same position. Mm-hmm. So I've had you do the bird dog a lot. This one's a yoga-based move. So the bird dog, you're on all fours. And for the bird dog, what you do is you extend your right arm and your left leg out parallel to the ground. Good. And then from here, you can either do elbow to knee under your body and then keep going like that. So this is your butt, but both butt cheeks. So you're going to feel the butt cheek working on, um, and you can actually stay on the same side the whole time and just do that cross under your body. And so this one activates your core, of course, but it also activates both glute cheeks in the sense that one glute is stabilizing and then one is squeezing. Did you notice that? Yeah, totally. And this is one... um... This is one I actually got suggested to me by my physical therapist when I was um, seeing a PT about my shoulder mm-hmm. um, because I think this is one of the best exercises for just sort of like overall body stability. Oh, yeah. Because it, it, it it's like rubbing your tummy and patting your head. Like you have yeah. to have the like balance. You have to have your hips in line. You have to have the like ab strength to be like oh my gosh, crunching yeah. in. Everything. All that mm-hmm. stuff. All that stuff. And then um, another one I love is just bridges, any variation of bridges. So for the bridges, you lie down on your back face up. Oh, I've screwed up and... the carpet. <laughs> okay, lie down on the back. And then all you do is you plant your feet on the ground underneath your knees, and your legs are like a couple inches apart, just so they're in line with your hips. And I like to do palms face up for this one, actually. And then all you do is you push your butt up into the air, and then you lower your butt back down. So this is an exercise that's literally straight out of the 80s. Totally. Like, it you've feels probably like, um, seen this in Flashdance, I think. Is that yes. the movie? <laughs> I hope that's the right movie. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, like, of course. She pours water over herself. Yeah, that's Flashdance. That's Flashdance, yeah. Yeah, totally. So these are bridges, and you can do so many variations of bridges. You can do... Um, you can do bridges squeezing something in between your inner thighs. You can do bridges with a band around your knee so that you're kind of pushing out. You can do single leg bridges, any variation of bridges that's going to strengthen your lower back and your butt. Um, so then you also, so kind of in that same family, you have things like, you know, even just standing and doing like butt kicks back. You know, like if you're at a chair and if you just place both hands behind you, like, Joanna and I, you know, we both danced for a really long time, and it's kind of like a, a tendu back, you know, or dégagé. <laughs> so for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, essentially just doing butt kicks back, that's a nice glute stabilization exercise. But once again, I think it's important to go into these exercises with the mentality of balancing out and strengthening your smaller muscle groups 
versus only doing these and avoiding things like squats and lunges because you think those are going to bulk you up and just doing these things because, um, you know, some personal trainer with no certification told you to do them. Right. Right. Or because a celebrity is doing them. Because they'll give you the exact right amount of butt, not too much and not too little or something. Exactly. Exactly. That's something that, oh, go ahead. Oh, so I was just going to say in terms of those being, um, you know, my favorite exercises, then you can take it to the plyometric aspect uh, yeah, so and laterally. What does plyometric so mean? So plyometric means you're turning an exercise from a non-jumping version into a jumping version that will fire up your fast twitch muscle fibers and that will um, strengthen the muscles even faster. So turning jump squats and jump lunges into, or sorry, so turning squats and lunges into jump squats and jump lunges. And I also do want to mention that um, uh, with those, also keeping everything in the muscles so not sitting too deep into anything that you feel it in your joints. Nothing. You should never feel anything in your hips and knees. I think that's something that I really want people to take away when doing lower body exercises. You should never feel anything in your hips and your knees because ideally, if you're being so mindful of the exercise, you're keeping it in the muscles the entire time. And then lastly, uh, I do want to talk about other things that strengthen the glutes um, from a lateral standpoint. So doing leg lifts to the side, you can just stand and do little hip lifts to the side where you just lift one leg up and down to your side. And then doing things like um, side lunges and skater jumps are going to strengthen the glute uh, max mead, the glute mead, which is more on the sides. So that's how you get all aspects of your, that's how you tackle every part of your glute. Um, And that's how you get strong. And then that's how you get that, that booty that, uh, that you really want. <laughs> well, speaking of getting the booty we want, um, I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. how much can you really change the way your butt looks? And how much is yeah. just That's the way question. your butt is born? Yeah. So for the most part, from a genetic standpoint, it's we are the shape we are. Like, we are the shape we are. And there is absolutely ways to, like, s- strengthen and make it so that you feel more comfortable in your butt. <laughs> um, but really for the most part, um, yeah. And so of course, you know, with, with having, with eating good nutrition and, you know, if, if one's goal is to reduce body fat with like body fat reduction, um, it, it is possible to change. It, it is possible to improve the shape of your butt. It is possible to improve the the curvature of your butt that's become very popular and you know pop culture right now i feel like it's all about the butt right songs are written about the butt recent songs and um it's uh we have celebrities who are essentially like praised for their glutes and people wonder like oh my gosh how did they get that like that's amazing how can i get that and and to be honest with you they were probably more of that shape to begin with like I don't think oh unless there's implants and if that's the case then I could be wrong then <laughs> then then it's implants and that wasn't their natural born shape um but in terms of what we can and we can't change we can change a lot in the sense that we can strengthen and give it shape but genetics are genetics and pear shapes are pear shapes. And I think it's really important to embrace, um, embrace your body type and then to strengthen your glutes with like the purpose of being a more balanced body and then just enjoying the benefits of 
feeling like, you know, they look great. And the thing is, like, you know, you look great when you feel great, right? Mm -hmm. It all comes from within. But also, I think that it'll change. Having glute strength changes the way you walk, the way you exercise, the way your posture is. And I think that is, um, you know, far outweighs having a a lovely booty. (laughs) So it sounds like with every, just like it is with a lot of things, I'm not going to be able to exercise my way to Kim Kardashian's butt, but I might be able to exercise my way into the best version of my butt. Yes. That's <laughs> so beautifully put. Um, on the When we're done doing all this stuff, how should we stretch and foam roll our butts? Very important. So um, foam rolling and stretching the butt is so important. Like, so, so, so important. Uh, foam rolling the glutes, I think, is critical. I like to do that before and after workouts. And even at the end of a long day, I always foam roll my glutes. Um, that one, we can also include some video of to foam roll your glutes. You sit on the foam roller and you actually, to get the glutes, the best way to do it is to cross one ankle over the knee and then to lean your body in that direction. That actually opens up your glutes so that the foam roller can get to it and to get to your glute max, glute med, um, glute min and piriformis even more effectively than if you were to just sit on it. So cross one ankle over the other, and it kind of puts you in that same like figure four position that mm-hmm. we, this is a piriformis stretch. So that's, um, that's how we roll the butt. And um, then in terms of stretching the butt, the best thing to do is to lie down on your back and to do the figure four stretch. The figure four stretch is really effective. And another thing that's really effective, just lying on your back and just hugging one knee into your chest. That stretches it out. Yeah. You don't even need to go into a full-blown hamstring stretch. Just hug your knee into your chest, and you'll feel a nice, pleasant stretch in your glutes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I'm going to do a little takeaway here. Uh, talk about our conversation about your butt. Uh, so we're talking about butts because uh, they're a thing that a lot of us are obsessed with for one reason or the other, but they're also a really important muscle group. So when we're talking about the butt, we're talking about our glutes. Mm -hmm. So we have the gluteus maximus, the gluteus medius, medius, and the gluteus minimus. It's like like the three bears, like the the big bear, the medium bear, and the littlest bear. Yes, it's exactly like that. Of glutes. And uh, your glutes are really important to um, sitting up and... uh, uh, or sitting down and standing up to walking to supporting your back and keeping your uh, body from being in pain. Um, and it's part of your posterior chain, which uh, is really important to having a balanced muscularness. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of us have weak posterior chains from sitting at our desks all day. So we're going to strengthen our glutes to keep ourselves out of pain, to keep make sure we can keep doing the things in our lives that we want to be doing, uh, and also because it's a great way to get the best bang for our buck when we're strength training in terms of like metabolic results and burning calories. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do things like squats and lunges and deadlifts. We're going to turn those things plyometric by doing like jump squats and uh, jump lunges and stuff. But then there's also smaller movements that are important for... Um, either recovery from injury or building things up in sort of like a smaller, more specific way, like donkey kicks and bird dogs and bridges. Um, And uh, at the end, well, or at the beginning and the end, we're going to foam roll um, by like sitting on the 
a foam roller with it going side, like sitting on it, the perpendicular to your body. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, like cross your right leg over your left leg and then lean to the right mm-hmm. and sort of roll. That's perfect. Uh, and then do the other side. Um, and we can also uh, lie on our backs and do like pull one knee up. Or do the figure four stretch where you're, like on the foam roller where you cross one leg over the other one, but then you're, um, like, pulling your uh, leg that the other leg is crossed over mm-hmm. towards you. Stretches are hard to describe, <laughs> turns out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll link to videos on the show notes so you'll get it. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, uh, instead of trying to get someone else's butt, uh, think about getting the best version of your butt because your butt is great just the way it is. That's an amazing takeaway, Joanna. Thank you, Daphne. You literally hit every key point. Thank you. Um, So definitely follow us on Facebook and Instagram this week because we're going to post a lot of butt stuff. (laughs) Just so many butt pictures. I can't wait. (laughs) Thanks, Daphne. This is a feature we call What Your Trainer Eats, where we talk to real-life personal trainer Daphne Yang about the food she actually eats in her day-to-day life. So this one I got curious about because I saw it on your Instagram a couple times. Um, Chickpea pasta. What's the deal with the chickpea pasta? So there is a product out there that I eat all the time and that I swear by and live by. And I discovered this at a networking event about maybe three years ago. It is a pasta, and it looks and tastes like normal pasta, and it's in all the same shapes, and it has the same texture as normal pasta, but it is made entirely of chickpea flour. So um, a lot of people who are gluten-free can eat this pasta, and this pasta is essentially pure protein, pure protein and fiber. It's essentially like you eating a whole bunch of chickpeas, but they just happen to be shaped like noodles, or they shaped like corkscrews, or shaped like, um, you know cavatappi or you know like that's how many shapes they have like they have literally multiple multiple shapes uh the company is called banza and they are a company that uh they are based here in new york and where the ceo is from i'm not sure but they are absolutely incredible and their pasta is absolutely delicious and so for people who are looking for a high protein pasta alternative I must eat banza every other day, and for a quick lunch, I'll just make some banza. You cook it just like you do pasta, and like I said, totally gluten-free for people who have any type of gluten issue or gluten allergy or gluten intolerance, and um, and for people who are trying to reduce carbohydrates. So um, you cook it literally like normal pasta, and what I do for like a quick lunch is I will just slather it in either like marinara or pesto and then I top it with like a soft boiled or fried egg something that's kind of like yolky and runny you can throw some parm on there and you have like a quick super quick lunch or you can use it for a more involved like pasta recipe for dinner when you have a little bit more time and pair it with whatever you want um but it's amazing and I highly 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 recommend it um, I'm guessing it's got to be more expensive than wheat pasta you know, a because bit. Yeah. wheat pasta is so cheap yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. even if it was like definitely not all that, it's actually not as expensive as one would think. Um, we it, it's in every single store now, 
So it's even in like the bodega around the corner. Oh really? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's how like, like Whole Foods they, would be like and a Whole good Foods guess. for sure. Whole Foods. If you Every, if you live in a place where you either don't have bodegas or where your bodega is not going to be carrying yeah. chickpea pasta. I saw it at Target the other day. Oh really? Like that's how big they're getting. And I'm so you know to Team Banza, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, you can get it everywhere. So B-A-N-Z-A and their Instagram is Eat Banza. Um, and yeah, I like really, like when I find a product that I'm really passionate about, I really want to share it with the world. And this has been a total game changer for me. Nice. I should have asked, do they pay you? They don't. (laughs) It sounds like they do, don't they? Should they? (laughs) I know. I was going to say. Hey, Banza, sponsorship. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, if you are interested in uh, checking out Chickpea Pasta, if you make some, take a picture and tag us on Instagram at Just One More Pod. Uh, I'm very curious. I'll have to try some. See see how a real person thinks. uh, Not a real person. You're a real person. (laughs) A normal person thinks it tastes. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw-Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes and for help subscribing, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.